Well, I invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, and open to Psalm 119. Let's begin with a word of prayer as we dig into the Word this morning. Father, thank You for Your Word. I pray this morning that You would encourage our hearts and challenge us as well as we, as we come to Your Word. Give words to the speaker and help us all as listeners to take it to heart. Lord, use Your Word to do its work and to make us more like Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. A beautiful home. Most of us would probably be really happy to live there. We look at that house and we think, wow, that's a nice house. I'd like to live there. Except the reality is you wouldn't want to live there. Matter of fact, you actually can't. Even if you might think that would be my dream home, the reality is that house is condemned. It's right here in Lake St. Louis. Beautiful home. It's condemned. It's unsafe. Uninhabitable. The reason is it has a faulty foundation. The house is falling down. We need a good foundation when we go to build a house. A number of years ago, actually over 20 years ago, Janet and I set out to build a home uh, here in Lake St. Louis. We bought a lot. We made plans. We did that in the wintertime. We were all ready to go. The ground finally thawed out enough and dried out enough that we could. We were ready to start construction. The excavator came out, started to dig. As he started digging with his bulldozer, he, he encountered some wet ground. He said, no problem, we'll dig a little deeper, we'll get under it. And, and he dug a little deeper and it got a little wetter. And so he dug a little deeper and it got a little wetter. And he dug a little deeper and it got a little wetter. And he, after a while, this bulldozer is stuck in a deep hole where our house is supposed to be. And he is stuck in the mud. And then it began to rain. <laughs> we discovered in the process that we had an underground stream running right through where our home is supposed to be. So, after an additional $10,000 or so of studies and labor and rock and concrete, we finally had a foundation that they said would work. Our budget was busted, but our house was supposed to be solid. And indeed it was. As far as I know, it's still standing over there. Where do we go to find a foundation for life that's like that? One that is sitting on solid ground. A life that won't crumble and fall no matter what comes against it. Here in Psalm 119, in verse 89, which is where we're going to be today, these eight verses, you recall, there's, this psalm is broken into stanzas or paragraphs of eight verses each, working its way through the Hebrew alphabet. It's an acrostic. And these eight verses deal with the Hebrew letter lambda, which means nothing to you, but doesn't really matter. It has nothing to do with the lesson. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. Follow along as I read verses 89 through 96. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By Your appointment they stand to this day for all things are Your servants. If Your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget Your precepts for by them You have given me life. I am Yours. Save me for I have sought Your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me but I consider Your testimonies. 
I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The songwriter is speaking, and as this whole song does, all of Psalm 119, all 22 stanzas of eight, eight verses are all focused on the Word of God, telling us some, some different aspect of God's Word. And in this case, the psalmist tells us that God's Word is a solid foundation. It is immovable and fixed and something worth building our life on. God's Word is certain, he tells us in these opening verses. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heaven. Five things I want to note that tell us how God's Word is certain, it is fixed. The first three are actually in the first verse. Three little phrases. The first of those phrases I want to call our attention to is this one. We read, it is firmly fixed. Firmly fixed. It, the, the Hebrew word there is implying that it's established, it's founded, it's settled. That's what some of your translations will read. It means that it's settled, it's founded in such a way that it's unchanging, unwavering, unshakable. Things in life change all around us constantly. The older we get, it seems the faster they change and the more they change. Relationships blossom while other relationships fade. People move away and like the bells, and other people move nearby. Jobs come, jobs go. Our lives are constantly changing and sometimes they change and it brings blessing. Other times it changes through trouble, through tragedy. But he says that no matter what else changes, God's Word remains fixed. Solid. Dependable. Reliable. Because God's Word is the Word of the sovereign God, the all-knowing God, the God who is all-powerful, the God who is eternal, the God who is the Creator. Therefore, nothing and no one and no thing can thwart God's purposes, His plans, or His Word. God's Word is firmly fixed. Also in that, in that verse, that first verse, verse 89, He uses the word forever. It is forever fixed. The Hebrew word there is eternally fixed. The Hebrew word means there is no beginning, no ending of something. God's Word remains unchanged from eternity past to eternity future. What He said is true now and it was true when He said it and it, is, it remains true and it always will be true. God knows the future as well as He knows the past. That's a difficult thing to grasp. You and I are so bound by time and yet God is not bound by time. God is outside of time. So He knows the future as well as He knows the past. Therefore, He is not fickle and He does not change His Word. Unlike the stuff that is probably lurking in the dark corners of your refrigerator, I think most of our refrigerators are like that. You go dig toward the back and there's that stuff that's been there for months or years. The expiration date passed long ago. It moved from fresh to semi-fresh to less than fresh and maybe it's on its way to toxic. <laughs> God's Word is not like that. It's eternally good. 
All of our modern devices need continual upgrades. Just like a couple of weeks ago, my <laughs> that little message kept popping up on my screen during the during the message. I didn't know how to fix it. I had to get some ten year old kid to work on my computer to so where it didn't say, you know, your iCloud storage needs to be upgraded. And it was just right there on I didn't my phone does that. Now I'm getting a message every all today it keeps popping up. Your phone needs to be updated. You notice that? All our stuff, it needs updating, upgrading, and you keep doing that and it still becomes obsolete. (laughs) How can that be when I keep upgrading and updating it and it still gets obsolete? And yet not so with God's Word. Psalm, Psalm 19, David writes, Psalm 19, verse 7, he says, The law of the Lord, the Word of God is perfect. Something about Absolute perfection, absolute perfection doesn't need upgrades. It doesn't need updates. It doesn't need improvements. It never becomes obsolete. And so Jesus said, heaven and earth may pass away. My words will not pass away. Actually, he doesn't even say it may pass away. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. You and I can build our life on the foundation of God's Word. We will then be able to weather any and all changes, any and all the storms of life. No matter what else changes, God's Word does not change because it is firmly fixed forever. The third phrase in that first verse that I want to note is God's Word is firmly fixed forever and it says where it is fixed in the heavens. In the heavens. Not fixed on earth. It is not subject, it is not fixed forever because people got together and decided it is so. It's not because of man's opinions or man's approval that we took a vote. We all got together. Well, is God's word good or not? Is it fixed? Is it stable? Yeah. You know, there, there are a bunch of experts, a bunch of theologians who got together a few, number of years ago and, uh, who did that. They got together and went through the Bible. Well, is this God's Word or not? Let's take a vote. And they took a vote. And said, well, this is out. This is in. God wasn't impressed. Neither should we be. God's Word is fixed forever in the heavens because He said so. Up, when it's fixed in the heavens, it means it's far beyond the reach and the influence of man to corrupt it or to change it or overturn it. Ever since the beginning, ever since that beginning in the Garden of Eden when God created Adam and Eve and He put them there, you'll recall sometime later, Satan came to Eve in those infamous words, Genesis chapter 3, where he said, did, did God really, really say? Ever since then, the enemy has been busy using the same tactic and the same on every Human all throughout human history. Saying, did God, did God really say? Does He really mean that? Can that really be true? Looking to get people to doubt God's Word. That has always been the attack of the enemy. From the Garden of Eden, you can go through history and see it. 303 A.D., the emperor Diocletian, the Roman emperor, issued decrees looking to destroy 
not only Christians, but all of the Scriptures, seeking to have them burn, trying to, trying to attack what God had said. He's long gone. The Scriptures are still here. In the 1700s, the French philosopher Voltaire said that in a hundred years, the Bible will be outmoded in a forgotten book found only in museums. Voltaire is gone. His stuff is in museums. The Word of God stands. The late 1800s, you probably don't know this man's name, Robert Ingersoll, but he was one of the most well-known people of his day. A household name. He was a popular author and orator. One of the best orators of the later 1800s. He was an outspoken and ardent atheist and he held up a Bible one day and said, In 15 years, I'll have this book in the morgue. And he ended up in the morgue, and God's Word is still here. Throughout history, the hammers of the skeptics and the critics have incessantly battered against the anvil of God's Word, and inevitably the hammers wear out and have been discarded, but God's Word remains. And so, Bernard Ram, about... Forty years ago or so, wrote these words. He said a thousand times over, the death knell of the Bible has been sounded. The funeral procession has been formed. The inscription cut on the tombstone. The committal was read. But somehow the corpse never stays put. Well said. We do not need to worry about those folks who attack the Scriptures and there are many who are doing so today. They are great orators. They have, they are folks of keen mind. And, uh, yet their hammers will wear out as well. And the Word of God will endure and survive every test and challenge because it is the Word of God firmly fixed forever in the heavens. He goes on in verse 90 and he says some more about why God's Word is fixed and he says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Nothing is going to change God's faithfulness, His love and His care for us. No circumstance, no passage of time. Because as Jesus said, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. That word iota refers to a the Hebrew letter jot or yod, the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And that little word dot refers to actually the the tittle, the little mark in Hebrew that's like the crossing of a T or just the tail end of the letter Y. And Jesus said that none of it will pass away until God fulfills it all. That God's every command by God, every promise by God is as true and as valid today as it was three millennia ago. And it will all stand and stay around until every bit of it comes to pass exactly as He has said. So the message of God's Word is relevant, he says here, to every generation. God's faithfulness continues to every generation. Every promise continues. Every command continues to every generation. God's faithfulness is there. It does not grow outdated. It is as true and applicable to us today as it was in the 1980s, which to some of you was so long ago. To others of us, that was just yesterday. 
And it's the same as it was in the 1960s and in the 1940s and in 1400 B.C. Every promise, every command, every word applicable, relevant to every generation. So much changes over the millennia. So much changes over the decades. Technology has moved from smoke signals to telegrams to text messages. Hairstyles have moved from those Egyptian, big Egyptian things to uh, powdered wigs to mullets. <laughs> we can be glad those are gone. And to pink spiked hair and whatever else may come down the pike. Fashion changes, transportation changes from donkeys to to DeLoreans to hoverboards. Well, we're still waiting for the hoverboards, the real ones. The heart of man is still the same. And the promises of God are still the same. They have not... The Word of God still faithfully endures. And so it doesn't need to be updated or upgraded for a new generation It doesn't need to be made relevant because it is relevant. We don't need a more enlightened moral code because we're a new generation. We're more sophisticated today. No. God's faithful Word endures to all generations. He goes on, verse 90, the end of verse 90, He says, You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment they stand to this day for all things are your servants. He says God's Word is certain because it is more certain even than creation. It is more certain than the earth. More certain than this world. Some folks, they they want to know, you know, what is there that lasts forever? And they say, well, a diamond lasts forever. That's what the commercials say. Some folks say, well, you know, the mountains are forever. No, they're not. We see how they shake. In Italy, they shake and crumble. Some folks say, well, the earth, or at least the universe, is forever. Matter is eternal. And the psalmist, you see here, says, no, you established the earth. It stands fast. By your appointment, they stand to this day. God spoke the world and the universe into existence by His Word. You see, He says His Word here is eternal, but the universe He spoke into existence is not. It exists by the power of His Word, which is greater. It exists and it stands firm by His appointment, by God's, by the authority of His Word. It stands. God decreed the world to exist. He spoke it, Scripture says, into existence. It continues to exist. Uh, The Scripture tells us that it, it is sustained by the power of His Word. That's what keeps the, the planets circling out there. It's what keeps the blood in your veins pumping and the air in your lungs. And it's what keeps the atom together. It's all that God sustains it by His Word. There's good news in that, by the way. The good news is that God's in control. You and I don't have to sit here and worry that the world might end tomorrow by some random asteroid that comes and and hits and blows the place up. 
We don't have to worry that it's going to fall apart by, in some ridiculous way like a lot of folks were back in 2012. You know, the Mayan calendar ends and so the world must end. Or that, um, you know, the sun's going to burn out or climate change will wipe us all out. Because the world exists because God spoke it into being. And it will continue to exist by the power of His Word until His Word has accomplished all that He has said. Go back to the point before. It endures to all generations according to His Word because He has forever fixed it. And God has said this world will exist until He says it's over. And by the way, He says when it's, what, what's going to happen and how it's going to end. Second Peter chapter 3, He is going to destroy this world. But it's not going to happen by a by a some random asteroid or by some uh, you know this or that. He is going to destroy it. Second Peter chapter three by fire. When he makes a new earth, Revelation chapters twenty one and twenty two, where he is, he says the old earth and heavens and earth are going to pass away. He's going to create a new universe and a new earth for our eternal dwelling place. But we don't have to worry because it's not happening random. It's happening exactly as He says. And God's promises still stand true because His Word still stands. So we don't need to worry because our eternal destiny is set by His Word. All those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as we read earlier from John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish. We get to enter into that new universe and that new world He is going to create one day. God's Word is certain. He goes on very quickly. He says God's Word not only is certain, but God's faith, God's certain Word brings blessing these next few verses, he says, I'll never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. Because we have a certain word from God, there are blessings that come with us as we, or to us as we rest in His Word. The first of those blessings, he said there, is I can find delight and I find joy and peace in the middle of in the midst of affliction. If your law hadn't been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. As we saw the last few weeks, if you've been around, as we've been going through, this songwriter wasn't exempt from affliction and nor are, are you or I as believers in Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we have a worry-free, problem-free life, that we go off and we live in health and wealth the rest of our days on this earth. That's not the case at all. We live in a world of affliction and we, we have problems and, and trials and troubles. The Bible isn't a book where we go and we come to and we look to escape into some fantasy world. But rather, the Word of God is where we come to find what God has to say, where we find hope and strength and peace and delight. We are educated and enabled and encouraged to face the difficulties and the troubles and the trials of this life because God's certain Word tells us where we're headed as we believe and trust in Him. You probably won't find delight in all the daily events of the world, especially if you watch the news much, but we can find delight in God's Word. 
The songwriter says, if he goes down in the, the end of verse 94, he says, I have sought out your precepts. Where he found delight was he, that, little, that word sought out means that he, literally it means he beats path to. In the midst of the, of the messed up stuff, as you look at this world, he beats a path to the Word of God and he digs in it and there he finds light, joy, rest. Verse 95, not only affliction, but we've seen this before in the psalm as well. He has enemies, but he says, I have peace in the midst of enemies. Even though enemies are waiting, to, they're setting traps, they're looking to destroy me. Have you ever been there? We've asked that question before in the last few weeks. We know what it is to have enemies. We worry, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen? He says, I consider God's testimonies. And the implication, as you read, is that everything changes. Instead of being worried, instead of being frustrated, instead of being fearful, he finds peace. Why? Go back to these other things. Because God's promises are, are good. God's promises, every promise, is He's faithful to every generation. Every promise He made, He's going to fulfill. And He has promised in His Word. Read through all of Psalm 119. And time and time again, what He says is, the one who trusts in God, God will, God will reward. God is faithful to everyone who trusts in Him. And it's also clear that God promises destruction to those who do evil, to those who will not trust Him. And so this man finds peace even in the midst of his enemies because our destiny is secure. Lastly, he just says in his last verses, he says, I've seen a limit to all perfection, verse 96. He says, I've looked around in the world and the best of everything out there has an end to it. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. God's Word, He says, is infinitely perfect. The very best that you and I can imagine, the very best that we can, can build, that we can make, that we can dream up, create, it all has limits. Our wisdom, our imagination, our control, our power, our experience, all of it frustratingly has an end. If we dig far enough, if we go far enough, it, it runs out. But he says, not God's Word. Because it doesn't come from the human mind or the human experience or the human power. It comes from the Word of God and the power of God. God's Word is exceedingly broad. He says we can't reach the limits of it. We can't mine the depths of it. The more that we dig, the more we appreciate just how amazing and how beautiful it is. The more that we discover of the riches that are there, the more we discover there are riches to discover. You'll never reach the end of it. We're only beginning to understand God's Word. So His promises are true. His warnings are right. His directions work. The Bible is the rock that never moves. It's the compass that is never off. It's the life preserver that never sinks. And so we need to be like the songwriter who goes and he says, I beat a path to your door. I beat a path to this book. Dig into it. Trust everything you have on it. And then 
even if much of your world quakes like Oklahoma did yesterday, even if it blows and floods like the eastern coast has done the last few days, even if it burns like California, or even if it crumbles in some personal tragedy, if your world around you is doing that, we'll discover like the songwriter did in the Word of God, Something like this from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea and though the waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble and its swelling. We don't need to fear. God's Word is certain. Father, we thank You for this encouraging message this morning because our lives get shook up a lot. From the inside, from the outside, things come and we tend to become fearful and fretful, to become despairing. May we be like the songwriter and be the path to Your Word. There we discover, as He did, delight, hope, life, and peace in Your certain Word. Thank You for giving us Your Word and not leaving us on our own. This we give thanks for in Jesus' name. Amen.